You're listening to Aesthetically Speaking. On this podcast, we're talking about all things branding, logos, colors, fonts, and the strategy behind it all. It seems like these days it's easier than ever to build an audience, but harder than ever to stand out online. My name's Rebecca, and I'm a brand strategist and designer. I'm here with my sister, Abby, a lawyer who needs a creative outlet. Together, we're going to talk about how to bring your brand to life. So today, Abby and I sat down to record our podcast, and I had to give her the bad news that the title we wanted to use for our podcast, which was Big Brand Energy, is taken, trademarked, being used for somebody else. So we're back to square one, and we thought that it might be interesting just to record our conversation about branding ourselves and our podcast and how we're kind of going about that. So we hope that this will be useful, and hopefully we'll have a great name by the end of this episode that we'll be able to actually use for our podcast because right now we have nothing. But the reason that I loved Big Brand Energy is because it encompassed what I like about branding. It was cheeky. It was fun. It was a play on words. Obviously, somebody else thought the same thing, which is why they did it too. But we're going to try and find something that has that same vibe to it. I used chat GPT to generate a few ideas. They were all awful. Abby actually is really good at writing and brainstorming. And she often helps me if I'm working on like taglines or something for my clients. I think we'll be able to come up with something great. Let me explain a little bit why I really liked the name Big Brand Energy, which Abby actually came up with. Shout out to me. Yes. I wanted something that had brand in the title for basic SEO purposes, but also because I just wanted it to be really obvious that that's what I do. And that's what this podcast is about. I didn't want it to be like a generic business made easy for women entrepreneurs, even though I think that would be good. And I think that's a, that's a niche that's different than just like business or marketing generally. Yes, exactly. And I also liked that it was a play on words and that it kind of gave off this feeling of, oh, there's this confidence, there's this energy to it. And that was all communicated. I also liked that it was short. I liked the acronym BBE, like just everything about it really clicked for me. So let's just try. When you said, sorry to interrupt, but oh, you're when, fine. when you were first talking about it, like I want to do a podcast, I want to be about branding. You also, the word you said, you wanted it to be a little bit cheeky. Yes. Which to me, I think the play on words plays into that. The fact that it's playing off of a pop culture reference, mm-hmm. but it's also something that's clever and memorable, which... Yes. Hopefully we can find another thing that taps into that too. (laughs) Yes, exactly. My brand philosophy, I often give my clients like names for their brands. And it's usually a phrase or a set of words that evoke like an aesthetic just to kind of guide you. So the aesthetic for my own brand that I use is pretty in pink meets editorial. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, like I don't use that externally. It's just like an internal thing. So I'm trying to combine the professionalism of branding and how that allows you to like be more polished and sign better clients, but also the personality that I bring to it and the feminine vibe that I have in my design yeah. style. And if you if you're a listener who hasn't seen Rebecca's stuff, I think if you saw it, you would immediately identify those words. Yeah. I was going to add, based on my field of expertise, the Twilight novels. (laughs) This is relevant, I promise. When Stephanie Meyer wrote Twilight, 
her original, her working title for her manuscript was Forks, which is the name of the town where it takes place in Washington state. And then when she finally got a publishing deal, her editor went through with her and they did this very same thing. They came up with a bunch of words that were aesthetic words of like, Mm -hmm. what's the vibe? Your book is moody. Your book is dark. Your book is brooding. And one of the words that was like twilight Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's not so dark. It's not a horror film vampire movie, but it's, it like hints at it. Yes. And they liked it so much that then all of the book titles come from this idea of like light and dark times moon, of day, dawn. Yeah. So maybe that's what we should do. Yeah. I actually think Forks could be a good name for a vampire novel because it's also this cheeky idea of like how you eat and vampires eat people, yeah. you know? But I don't think that's a good vibe for her book. Like you said, her book is more moody. So Forks really, even though that still is the name of the place, I'm like, Twilight is definitely a better fit. Yeah, I think if the vampire novel was more like warm bodies, right, where it's like self-aware, making fun of itself, you know, kind of a parody, Forks actually, that's a good point. Yeah, I like that. Let me read you... So I asked ChatGPT to generate a bunch of branding titles, and they're all terrible. They're all like really bad, but I'm going to read you some of the ones that I created based on their ideas. I don't love any of them, but they're like starting to get to the right vibe. What was, I'm just curious, what was the prompt you gave ChatGPT? Okay. First, I said, Can you come up with a list of 25 cheeky phrases that use the word brand? Do you want to hear some of the ones that they gave me? Yeah, I I do. (laughs) Brand it like Beckham. Wow. Branding iron, not just for cows anymore. Oh my gosh. (laughs) They're so bad. If at first you don't succeed, rebrand. Okay, I actually, I could see that as a subtitle for some really bad blogs. Yeah, it's not too bad. Brand loyalty, not just for dogs. What? I know. I know. They're so bad. Branding is like a dance. You need to be in sync with your audience. I'm like, first of all, what the heck? Second of all, you don't need to be in sync with your audience when you're dancing. So that doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Yeah. They mixed a few too many metaphors. Yeah. So then I asked, I said, can you generate three word phrases using the word brand? And these still were just like, so vanilla. So they had brand new day, brand loyalty, brand identity crisis, brand recognition, brand ambassador, just like blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so then I was like, can you help me come up with a podcast name about branding? I won't go through all of these, but this is basically where they started to get better. Brand builders, branding blueprint, branding boldly, the branding room, branding buzz. They really liked this alliteration. Yeah. Branding breakthrough, branding boot camp. Anyway, I think let's revisit my my idea for a podcast episode title. Yeah, what was that? Bootylicious branding. Bootylicious branding. <laughs> <laughs> branding breakthrough was the one for me that I was like, that's kind of close. Yeah. So I actually wrote on my own list. I wrote branding breakdown. How about it's branding, biatch. <laughs> Here's the problem. You and I don't swear. No. Like it's not natural. Yeah. So it like wouldn't really work for us. Okay, let me read you the ones that I came up with. For some reason, it's so easy for me to be like, wow, these AI ones suck. But then as soon as they're mine, I'm like, well, I think 
this one is like not that bad. <laughs> I have brand attitude, branding with attitude, branding buzzkill. I didn't, I wasn't sure about like, there's something about buzz that I liked. Buzzkill is negative though. So I don't love that. Yeah. Okay. This one doesn't have branding in the name, but I just kind of like it. Aesthetically speaking. Ooh, I like that. Right. Like, and, you, and it works because it's a podcast. So we're talking. Right. Right. It's like, well, aesthetically speaking, your business should have blah, 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 blah. I like, I'd put an asterisk by that. I like that one. Okay. I also thought about something with like the good, the bad, and the ugly. I like that like framework, but I don't know exactly yeah. how to use it. The other thing is, I really liked having the three word phrase. Yeah. There's something catchy mentally about that. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking about is a lot of these, I think, podcasty, clickbaity titles have a little bit of a negative connotation. Yes. Like if we were doing a roast podcast where we were like, oh, we're going to talk about the ugliest brands. We're going to talk about where your brand breaks down. We're going to talk about the buzzkill in your business strategy. If that was our hook, those could work. And I think there is something that is catchy about them. I just think for your brand, which is very positive. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know that that works. Yeah, no, I I don't want to use anything negative. Like that is off brand for me. Yeah. But yeah, I like the things that evoke like a strong feeling. I just would like that feeling to be positive, you know? I really do like aesthetically speaking. I think that has potential. I do too. And can I show you, you know how I sent you all those different covers for the podcast art? Yes. If you want to be filled with self-loathing, just have someone Photoshop a bunch of photos of you with like a colorful background. Oh my god! At the end of it, I was like, I hate my face. And why did I curl my hair that day? (laughs) If it makes you feel any, if it makes you feel any better, I had to flip some of the photos because we both were facing the same way. Because we we have we share some genes, and we're Rebecca and I are sisters. I don't know if we've mentioned that yet. Yeah, we probably should have said that. You should have said that. Hello, we're sisters. <laughs> oh right. my god! I asked branding for G- twins. No, I asked Chat GPT for ideas for a podcast with my sister. Do you want to hear these? Oh my gosh! I can only imagine. Wait, can I come up with some predictions? Yes, please. One is called like sister sister branding. <laughs> one is called branding your genes. Genes spelled G E N E S. That would be good. And one is something about the sisters of Pride and Prejudice. Okay, close with the movie reference. Sisterhood of the brand was one of the suggestions. Sisterhood of the bootylicious branding. In the AI's defense, I was trying different adjectives to get the right vibe. So instead of cheeky, I used the word salty. So I said, can I, can you generate some salty? I don't know. I was just trying to think. I ended up using sassy as the adjective. That got me the closest, which is a perfect example of how AI does not understand nuance the same way that people do. Like, I do not want this podcast to be sassy. I If somebody calls me sassy, I take that as an insult. But AI... Sassy to me just is very... I feel like you're going to get something for the girls, for the home down Southern girls. Yes, it just feels really like juvenile. Anyway, I know the difference between sassy and cheeky, but AI does not. Yeah. Anyway, okay, here are the things that they gave me. Here are some salty, fun podcast names for a podcast about two sisters. I'm like, I didn't say it was about two sisters. These are the options. The Branding Bells. 
B-E-L-L-E-S, of course. Yeah, of course. Salt and Strategy, Two Sisters, One Brand. Oh, the Salty Sisters. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, they just were like, you said salt plus sisters. I give you Salty Sisters. Yes. Sisterhood of the Brand, Salt and Success, Branding Brats. Branding brats. Hopefully it's brats with a Z. It was not. That's their fault. Sisterly Secrets and Aesthetic Adventures with the Sisters. Okay, I would like to listen to a podcast about sisters who are actually nuns. Okay. That I would listen to. I would love a nun podcast. If we had like a cooking vibe, we could do something with Salty. But uh, yeah, yeah. Not our but no, what, what it did make me think of is... I think having some metaphors in mind, I think would be helpful. I think so too. Branding is so visual, but we're doing it in a podcast where it's purely auditory. Right. So like, what is the taste of the brand? What is the smell of the brand? Like what colors? I do. I do. I think that's a good exercise. Like what food is, is your brand? Yeah. The way that I imagine it when I'm doing a session with a client, we have these big brand strategy workshops. And I tell them, I want you to imagine that you're sitting at my dining room table and we're eating chips and salsa together. Okay. I, I want it to feel really comfortable, really intimate, but not, not like homey and boring. Yeah. I want it to be like interesting. And I actually feel like the vibe for our podcast is I kind of imagine it as there's like two directions. <laughs> this is so abstract. One is like a novelty taco place. What's the, what's the one that we went to? Torchies tacos. Torchies. Torchies. Now that name is cheeky. Very cheeky with their dang good tacos. But yes, yeah, I like Torchies tacos. Like it's cheeky. They have a little devil as their mascot. Yeah. I can also imagine this is a little bit more of the vibe a really good Wagyu beef burger place. Okay. All kinds of burgers but very high quality, very intense flavors. You're not getting your mediocre McDouble. You're getting like a thick boy, you know? Okay, here's what's interesting to me. Both of those places to me read very masculine. They do. That's kind of why I liked, but I feel like your brand is very feminine. And also we are both girls. Yes, my brand is very feminine. Maybe that's why I liked big brand energy though, because it was a play on big dick energy. And so it was kind of, like, I am so not big dick energy, quote unquote. Yeah, but it kind of, but it kind of worked. It worked. It was so wrong. It was right. Exactly. When I, when I visualize our podcast, I envision an ice cream parlor. Oh, I could see that. Where there's like lots of different colors and flavors and you're like sampling mm, things. I could totally see that. Not necessarily, it's not like a retro Yeah, vibe, not like a not 50s necessarily style. Like, and not e- not even like a high end gelato place where like everything is stainless steel and they have like a you know thousand dollar ex- right. espresso machine, right? But something in between, yeah. like high end quality ice cream that's not too kitschy. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, I really like that. But yes, I like the ice cream vibe a lot. I wonder if there's something with ice cream. The other thing, oh, I was going to show you the. I was going to show you the podcast cover that I ended up sending because it was sometimes this thing happens where 
I can like see something in my mind, but I just cannot create it until like the picture becomes more clear. Anyway, the picture finally became clear. Okay. Can you see this orange big brand energy? Yes. Okay. So not to be, not to be that person, but many of them are. So the concept here, it like, I had this image in my mind of like genie in a bottle kind of thing where it's like the energy couldn't be contained in the jar or the bottle or whatever it was. And that just kept coming back to me. Like when you have a big brand, it's like coming out. There's also a phrase that I love about branding and why, why it's so helpful to like have a brand strategist, which says it's really hard to read the label from inside the bottle, which basically means Mm, like when you're the business owner and you're in the bottle, it's really hard for you to see objectively like what your brand is and what the perception you're creating is. So I often tell people that like, it's just really helpful to talk to an expert who can look from the outside of the bottle and see what's going on. So there's that reference. And then not to make it so many things, but I also imagined it as like a soda bottle because I drink a lot of Dr. Pepper and I feel like people know me for that. Anyway, this visual that is true for our listeners is a very like crude hand illustration hand. There's a big, like a soda liter, but coming out of the soda is like sparks and conversation bubbles and dots and stars and lightning bolts. And it's this big brand energy. And then the pictures that we hate so much are on the sides. But since we can't use that, since we can't use that tagline or anything about it, but maybe that will spark something for us. I just, I really do like aesthetically speaking. Okay. So I was going to say, I could see this visual working for aesthetically speaking as well. I would probably do something slightly different. The thing that I like about aesthetically speaking is it feels more feminine. It does. Yeah. These are like flowy conversations. We're not harping on anybody or dissing anybody's brands. We're like exploring and looking at things through the aesthetic lens, you know? When I also think if we do, if we do go with aesthetically speaking, I think you got to put branding in the subtitle, like aesthetically speaking, colon, branding for women in business. Yes. You know, like, yes, 100%. I would change this. I like it. I, like I it. really like it too. Yeah. I would change the tagline from what we have right now, which is strategy and design for women in business to just branding for women in business so that we have branding in there. I might even yeah. do branding and design. Yeah. Just to give that extra keyword. I just, I think that makes sense. I would just say branding strategy or branding and strategy because design is so subsumed in aesthetics for me. That seems a little more redundant, but yeah, I like that. I really like it. I think we can, I think we could dig for a long time to come up with something that is half as good. But I think that's probably, I think a lot of our, I think a lot of our cheeky attempts are going to end up being like what's popular right now and let's change a couple of words. Yes. I was going to say another kind of thing that came to mind was something with era because of Taylor Swift. And that's like a, I'm in my lover era. I'm in my big brand era. I just don't love it, honestly. Yeah. And I also think it's, it sounds like something that's going to be like very retro mm-hmm. or like Y2K. Right. Right. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't yeah. want something that would be but like. I thought worked also. Oh yeah. I remember when people used to caption everything in my blank era for like three months and then it became tacky. I don't want it to be that. 
Right. The other thing I liked about our our former podcast title is I felt like energy worked on multiple levels. Yes. Like it was a phrase, but also a lot of your clients work in like the energetic space. Right. They have kind of a spiritual or energetic, they feel called to their work. Absolutely. And I do think aesthetic, aesthetically speaking, does have that same, it kind of has duality to it, but it also is cheeky because it's a commonly used phrase, but we're twisting it to be like, no, we are speaking on a right. podcast about aesthetics. Right. And so there's contrast there. I don't know. Yeah. I really like it. I really like it. I I feel like you are so good at words. I was like, oh, I really, like that would be my favorite one. But I was like, Abby will probably come up with something better. But if you like that, I like that. And actually, you want to know what I picture in my head for the cover, just like off the cuff? I imagine. Yeah. What do you, what's your so vision? So I imagine like aesthetically being like, clear type block type I don't know if it's like all caps or what but then I imagine speaking almost in like a cursive or a handwritten and then the type like turns into some kind of illustration that has like a speech bubble and a little pencil or something where it's like we're talking about design and that's like captured visually does that make sense I don't feel like I fully grasped your vision because it is so (laughs) Like, if you could draw it out for me, I feel like I could see yes. it better. What I was thinking is, what the other thing I like about aesthetically speaking is it's like the beginning of a sentence. Yes, I like that too. So you would say, aesthetically speaking, your brand sucks. <laughs> yes. So I, I also, I think it should have a comma, maybe not in the, the title mm-hmm. as it appears on Spotify or Apple, but yes. design-wise, I like that it has a comma. Yes. Which is like the introduction to the rest of the phrase. And this is like your introduction. Yes. I don't know. I think that could be like a fun little hint. Yes. I really like that. Okay. You want to know what we could do a whole episode on? Punctuation in branding. Ooh. That could be our P episode. Yes. Because it's literally like when it comes to your brand or I would say any large scale logo, type, poster, whatever punctuation, grammar, like those rules go out the window because it's just, it has to read well aesthetically. Like I was doing this post on Dr. Pepper and in, I can't remember when they rebranded, but at some point they took the period out purely just for visuals. They were like, it doesn't work. We want the words to be close together. Just take it out. So now like the official name is Dr. Pepper with no period. I'm like trying to rack my brains to think when the last time I read a Dr. Pepper can't. But yeah, I think it right? doesn't have period. When I put it in my post, I wanted to be like, just so everybody knows, I know how to punctuate. The brand actually doesn't have a period. So before we get too far down the rabbit yes. hole, have we checked out to see if aesthetically speaking is... Oh, I did check it out. Uh, um, It is the name okay. of a lash extension place in New York. And they have like a Facebook page. But we should remind people... You you were saying it belongs to a lash place. It belongs to a lash place, but it's not trademarked and they haven't posted anything for like years. So I think it's fair game. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to say about when you're branding your business, something to keep in mind is to a certain extent, it matters if there's another business that has the same name as you, but the trademark of trademark law is whether or not it's confusing to the public. Okay. So there's some things that they'll look at to decide whether or not it's confusing to have two things. And who is they? So they, 
to a certain extent, there's like a patent and trademark office that decides whether or not you can register your trademark, whether you qualify for trademark protection at all. And that's like federal trademark. And I'll discuss that because like every state has their own different scheme that's really complicated. But like a national level. So they will look at geography for one. So if there's if there's two businesses that independently have the same name, for example, if this lash place called Aesthetically Speaking, if they're based in Michigan and they only operate in that state and they only have two locations in the state, they're brick and mortar stores, their only thing is lashes. The fact that we have a podcast, which is a totally different product, probably a different audience, although some people might be into both, that's fine. But no one's really going to be confused to think like, oh, are those Lash Girls from Michigan starting a podcast? That's an inference that people really aren't going to make. So they'll look at like, where is your market? And is it likely to confuse people? The other thing they'll look at is the actual name that you're using. Okay. So the the term in (laughs) trademark law for something that is so unique and also really unconnected to the product that you're selling or the service that you provide, they say that it's fanciful. Uh Uh-huh. What does that mean? So a fanciful trademark, it basically means, I would say is like imaginary. Like Mm. you imagine this name out of nothing. It has no inherent connection to your product. Gotcha. So fanciful trademarks get the most protection. Yeah. At the opposite end, something that is merely descriptive. Like if you said like mops are us, (laughs) there's maybe a little bit of something clever there. Yeah. But like... You sell mops. That much is clear. Do we need trademark protection for that? Right. Or like every every state is the sunshine state, right? So if you're like sunshine state cleaners, that's like a level above. That's what they call suggestive. Okay. Or like the example that a lot of ple- pe- people use is copper tone for sunscreen. Uh-huh. It's like there's a there's a slight. There's a little bit of a gap between what the product is and what the Yeah, there's is. like a little bit of visual imagery there, but... Right. If you called it white cast, it would be like, yeah, purely descriptive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so for things like that, the, the other example I think of is Kodak for film and cameras. Uh-huh. I, for a lot of times, thought it was somehow related to Kodiak bears or something. Yeah, because it's like nature it was somebody's name. Yeah, or some, yeah, I thought it was somebody's last name, probably... Right. It's totally made up. As far as I know, they they did some market research and they were like, oh, the letter K will be really hot this year. Or it means like people people in the market think that the letter K means something is sturdy. So then they were like, what's a, what's a name that's easy to pronounce we can use with K? Kodak. Cool. But it's totally arbitrary. It has no connection to film or cameras or the founder. Yes. Yeah. I think that's the same with Haagen-Dazs. It's not it's not a word in Swedish or whatever language it is. I thought it was named after an, a, a family. <laughs> no. Ha- Hagen does. Where is that? Is that German? <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe it's German. But it's supposed to sound like, oh, a European ice cream, like very fancy. And it's like, no, they just made that up because it sounded good. Yeah. Hagen does. Hagen does. Yeah. Anyways, that's probably more than people wanted to know. But it, if you saw that Kodak started a completely like if there was Kodak backpacks you would probably assume oh these are camera these are backpacks specific to cameras or photographers or it's going to be that like yellow and red color that's on the outside of the old rolls of right right so the and that's something that's something else if your brand is something that is more descriptive 
you, if you want trademark protection or you're worried that there's another company with the same name, you want to show that it has acquired what's called secondary meaning. Okay. Which is basically just that consumers associate your your name, your brand with the product. Gotcha. So like we were talking earlier about Mr. Clean. And now yes. Mr. Clean has that brand recognition where I'm like, oh, Mr. Clean is cleaning supplies and magic erasers and the guy with the earring. Right. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. So if you, if, for example, if you took magic eraser, there could be lots of different products that are like that. It's only a little bit suggestive, but now it's such at least in our family where our mom is obsessed with magic erasers <laughs> yes. and has given them as gifts. Yes. We had a favorite things party and that's what she gave. Honestly, a good gift. That's I what love she magic gave. erasers. I do too. I use them for everything. But like at that point, it's not just descriptive. It, it's an eraser that is magical in its cleaning properties. It is its own thing. You're not going to think that this is a chalkboard eraser. You're not going to think this is a pink rubber eraser. The more successful you are, the easier it is to prove oh, I've acquired secondary meaning. Everybody in the state of Iowa knows that Clean Madam is unique and it's a cleaning service that's different from Mr. Clean, right? But it also, that's why branding matters is because you want your your reach to exceed your grasp. You want to be able to reach more people than just the people who are buying your product or who happen to walk by the strip mall where your store is Exactly, exactly. I really feel like that's something that branding does that no other form of marketing can do, which is like creating that secondary meaning, right? Yes. A lot of my clients, I wanted to ask you about this, are building a personal brand like myself, where my brand is built on my own name. It's Rebecca Peterson Studio. It's not... My brand is me. Yeah, I am exactly. You know, I, I'm the one providing the services kind of thing. So I haven't worried about registering my business name as a registered trademark or registered my logo because it's my name. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like, they can't take that away from me. How true is that? That's an interesting question. So obviously your own name is something that is unique and is associated with you. And it's going to be pretty easy to prove that that has secondary meaning. It's, It's hard to speak like as a blanket rule, you'll never be able to prevent anybody else from using the name if there's lots of people named John Smith, which of them get to have brands and which don't. So, and and none of this is, obviously this is information about the state of trademark law generally. None of this is legal advice that you can like take to the bank and guarantee that you're going to be protected, right? Always talk to an individual lawyer who can look at your individual case. Terms and conditions apply. Terms and conditions apply. We can back out at any time. (laughs) I am not your legal representative. (laughs) Listening to this podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship. Yes. (laughs) Personal brands are so much more prevalent now when we live in the internet age and even brands want personal representatives or brands have Twitter accounts that talk as if they're normal people Mm -hmm. with sentient feelings. You know, it's just like a very different age. For the sense of have you acquired secondary meaning, having a personal brand in some ways might give you a head start, but it's probably not a guarantee just because there are going to be so many people trying to use their own. Right. So you want to make sure that when you're when you say Rebecca Peterson Studio, people know this as a branding and a strategy and a design studio. It's not a dance studio. Right, right. The way that I think of it is I'm not worried about somebody saying that I can't use the name Rebecca Peterson Studio because it's my name. And the other thing, because I, I really thought about this when I was starting my own business. Do I want to come up with some cutesy name like Clementine Creative? Or 
you know, what I want to do. And this is kind of the advice that I give my clients, which is you want to think of your business like 30 years into the future. And so for some businesses, that means stop hiding behind a random name and use your own name. Step up and be like, I'm the CEO of my business. For other businesses, it's almost the opposite where it's like, okay, 30 years into the future, do you really want to be using your name? Are you trying to build an agency or a school or whatever it is that's like, yeah, bigger than yourself? For me, I know that I always, I kind of intend to run a one person business. So that very much aligns with me, but I do think it's something that you have to think through. And I don't think there's a right answer. It just depends on really what you're trying to accomplish. There is such a thing as abandonment, right? So take, for example, this, I don't know where the Lash Studio, aesthetically speaking, is based. It's in New York. They're in New York. Okay. And when I, Far away from yeah, us, and when I looked them up, they hadn't posted anything new to their website in over a year. Right. So if you have not used in commerce your name within a certain time frame, it's defined by the statute and I'm not clear on what it is. If I look it up, my computer will start to make a weird noise. So I'm not going to look it up right now, but it's, it's multiple years, right. right? If you haven't used the name in commerce, it's a use it or lose it system. You can't say like, I can forever prohibit everyone from using this name if you're not actively using it to sell products or services. Yeah. Because like we talked about, the purpose of a trademark is to prevent confusion. And I think that is like, that's hand in hand with what a brand yeah. is. You don't want to be, a, you don't want your name to be associated with something that is not at all to do with what you're trying to do. Right. You don't want people to think you're a dance studio when you're a design studio or a photography studio. Yes. But you do want to make sure like you can lose, you can lose that ability just by doing nothing. I was going to say the only other Rebecca Peterson, it's not Rebecca Peterson studio. Hers is Rebecca Peterson fitness and she is a fitness model. And we have actually corresponded because she has the Gmail address that I would really like, but she's not willing to part with it. So (laughs) there you go. But yeah, she's the only other Rebecca Peterson that is using that name as a, as a brand. And it used, we used to kind of compete with each other, I should say on Google searches. Maybe this is just, I don't know how SEO works in this way. But now when I search for it, I only get my own stuff. I haven't seen hers for a long time. Interesting. I did. There is another, there is a, an Instagram account that is aesthetically speaking that belongs to a realtor that also has not been active for almost a year. We could also just get aesthetically speaking underscore podcast or something. That's what I got. Until we can work out some of these handle things. Yeah. Also, I'm not going to say who this is, but I know somebody who bought the Instagram account that had the username that they wanted. And it was a short first name, like at Scott, and they paid $12,000 for it. Okay. So I think we have, I think we have a I name. Think we have a name, aesthetically speaking. I think we have a visual direction. So when you guys look at this, you'll see how it came to life. That's what I was wondering. Do we want to talk about like, we haven't, I was going to say we have a name, but is that a brand? Yeah. So a name alone. So it's interesting because I do think that aesthetically speaking has a different visual vibe than big brand energy. Like we were saying, it feels a little bit more feminine. It's a little bit softer because the words are longer and big brand energy. I honestly envisioned the intro music being 
just a different melody, but the Seinfeld opening <laughs> ditty that's like, bang, 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 and that's not going to work. That's not going to work with this. Aesthetically speaking is like, I think, no, aesthetically speaking to me is a harp. Not to trigger you, Rebecca plays the Don't box. trigger me. <laughs> it, it is a harp though, because it's lyrical right and it, yeah, it, and it, it's like it, it's so much deeper it's, it's better. way deeper it's better it's like because it's pluckier i'm imagining like the you know like the up and downs yeah and i'm not picturing like swan no 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 harp. i'm not i'm picturing plucky plucky yeah harp. yeah i think i think it will probably still be like a piano if i'm actually coming down to the instrument but there's definitely yeah. something I'm picturing a ladder, right? Where it's like skipping steps. That's how it is. Yeah. It's melodic. It's ascending. Yes, yes exactly. And I even picture the actual podcast cover. I picture the words being diagonal aesthetically. That's also probably because that's the only way they're going to fit in a little tiny box. That is, that is possibly Aesthetically true. speaking, two different fonts. I actually love the challenge of designing podcast covers. It's one of my favorite client projects because there's so much that you have to convey and it has to look good this big. Yeah. So I appreciate the challenge. I was going to ask you if you want, if you would prefer your picture to be on there or not be on there. Honestly, for aesthetically speaking, I kind of feel like no. I kind of feel like no also. For big brand energy, I was seeing, I was picturing our faces on there. Yeah, I kind of don't see us on this Yeah, one. I feel like the words speak for themselves. I was going to ask, like, what colors do you see? Okay, so this is also interesting because the podcast is kind of like a sub-brand of my brand, the Rebecca Peterson Studio brand, which, as we addressed, is girl colors. I basically use pink, orange, red, yellow, and I have a brown in there, which always surprises people because when you look at my brand, you're like, I don't see brown, I don't see brown, but you totally do. It creates that like nice contrast without being like a really harsh black. I actually only have one harsh rule in my brand colors, which is that I don't use black other than text and lines. So I never use like black backgrounds, black and white photos. That's too harsh for my brand. I like to be a little bit interesting. Softer. It's one of those things where the average person wouldn't be able to identify that, but they get the feeling that I want them to get. And to me, that's like the whole point of if, design. If you told me I never use black, I would be like, are you sure? I swear I black. And now I'm thinking about it. I'm you tricked Right. Me. Right. Yeah. And, and you wouldn't be like oh, well, I can see that you're not using black because your brand is less harsh. But when you interact with the brand, you're like, yeah, it feels like a feminine, fun, very positive, upbeat brand. Like you would use the feelings. Yeah. And I know how to create the feelings with the design. Anyway, I just, design yeah. is cool in that way. So in terms of colors, it's interesting because the color that's coming to mind is not one that we'll use because it's blue and blue is not in my color palette. But I think I like it because it has that smooth feel to it. Yeah. The color I honestly see, I see like a lavender. Yeah. Which is not also, I, it's also not in your brand colors, but I feel like we could find a mauve that's, that works for both. Yes. yes. I, have, I have several pinks that I use. And one that I've really been liking lately is actually a pretty purpley pink. It doesn't look that way when I'm pairing it with like my orange and like my bright poppy colors, but we could definitely use like a lighter version of that. What I tell my client, I do this all the time with my clients. I'm like, only use your brand colors. 
no other colors. Like those are the rules. Stick to them. You want a consistent brand. This is how you do it. And then they'll be like, can you design my podcast cover? And I use something that's not one of their colors or not one of their fonts. And I'm like, I can break the rules because I made the rules. (laughs) And I feel like that I'm in charge. I feel like that's kind of true. Like if you're not a designer and you don't know the rules, don't break them. But really, I'm like, I understand the vibe that we're going for. And so I am at liberty (laughs) to break the rules to create that vibe. I often use a handwritten element in like my posts or in like my social media content. Most of the time, that's actually my own handwriting. I do it on my iPad. Occasionally, I'll use a font for that because it has like a specific ligature, letter, glyph or whatever that I want. So that I kind of picture one of the words being in that handwritten kind of marker brush. Okay. Let me tell you my vision as a lady. Yeah, tell me what you see. What I envision, I envision like sans serif for readability purposes, but like elongated, very beautiful, aesthetically speaking with a comma. Yes. And then something that like grows out of it. Like as if we're like speaking it into it. Exactly. Exactly. I I picture there's something like loopy about it, whether that's like the double L's of aesthetically or whether that's the G of speaking, but I picture a loop somewhere and that okay. turning into something, which I also really like because one of the things I like about branding is it's kind of, you can't you can't become the CEO you want to be until you can see it. And branding is actually tangibly seeing it. So it's like the dual meaning there. Yeah, I actually, you can tell me if you think this is too cheesy or girly, but I really like the idea of flowers. I I like I like the vibe of flowers. What I don't want people to think this is, is like we are speaking about aesthetics in a very specific context. And I don't want them to think that we're, we are like interior designers or landscape designers. That's a good point. So that's, that's my only hesitance about flowers. But in my mind, like that's the image that is the most striking to me. We could maybe do a plant, like a leaf or a branch style illustration that has some other elements with it, like some little sparks or I don't love the idea of using like a pencil, but something in there to communicate like this is graphic design oriented. Yeah. Or I was thinking the the tree that you did for Mariah. Uh-huh. It was like, this is clearly a design tree. This is not a literal tree. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's not not realistic flowers, I should say. Yeah. Like an abstract. But not cheap. Yeah, not cheesy. Either. Yeah, not not clip arty either. I do kind of like the idea of having some kind of speech bubble. I feel like that's on par with what we're talking with what the podcast is. Although we probably don't need a speech bubble if we're already using the word speaking. I think I think using that, I think we could use that shape in some interesting ways without it being so literal. So I think as a jumping off point, that yeah, work. I agree. What will probably happen? This is generally my process. Is I kind of sketch things out like pencil and paper if I have a specific idea in my head. So like when I was talking about the bottle for big brand energy, like I just kept seeing this picture where like a volcano shape and something is coming out of it. Right now, the picture is coming to mind. Like the Arthur episode where Francine's head pops yes, off. Yes, yes, exactly. This one, like I said, I'm kind of imagining that diagonal lettering. So like I kind of sketch that out until I can like actually see it on paper the way that it's forming in my mind. And then I play around with it on my computer 
usually when I'm designing something, I know when I've got it. Yeah. Occasionally it takes me a couple of tries, but usually once I get it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's it. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> so that will kind of be my process. I'm excited for you guys to see it. Thank you for sticking with us through this rebranding of our podcast that never launched. This rebranding of our brand <laughs> in the first place. <laughs> Let's talk really quickly because this episode is not what we will be talking about every time. So let's talk through how we're going to structure our future episodes and what our listeners can expect from the aesthetically speaking Yeah, we're not going to talk this much about us. (laughs) Who knows? We might. We might change our minds. But for the foreseeable future, we are starting at the beginning of the alphabet. This is a side note. For me personally, I find it really helpful to have structure. 100%. Creativity loves constraint. Creativity loves constraint. So for me, saying we're going to talk about this very abstract concept of branding, there are a million iterations of it. It's going to be different for any client. That just felt so overwhelming. But saying, okay, we're going to start with the letter A. So we have a brother named Andrew, and we're going to do a brand for him. Or Rebecca said, okay, I'm going to analyze my favorite brands. That felt much more concrete. And then I actually think it did help us be more creative. Yes. Mostly you, because you are the designer and the branding expert, but also me in my comment. You get help does both. So we'll start with the letter A, and we're talking about analyzing my favorite brands, me, Rebecca. Although Abby also will chime in with some of her favorites. So we'll talk about... I chimed in, yes. What our favorite brands are, what we can learn from them. I have some big and small brands that we'll be talking about. And kind of getting a feel for what I think branding is and how it works for businesses and how you can apply that to your own business. The other thing that we're really excited about doing that we hope other people will like and not just us is what we're calling branding challenges. And the way that the branding challenges will work is Abby is giving me a client and a brief. So You'll get an example for that in the branding challenge episode. But basically, Abby's going to say, your client is this person. This is their profession. This is their industry. This is their brand. And this is what they want their brand to achieve. This is the objective. And then I have to create a brand for that person. So I'm actually doing the design work beforehand, but I'm walking you, you podcast listeners, through my process on the podcast. So I'll explain like how I got inspiration, how I put things together, what I tried, what worked, what didn't work, and then show it to Abby and present it. So in a, in addition, because this is a podcast and we're listening to it, right? We're just speaking it into existence. Rebecca is actually creating the brand. Yes. She's making the color scheme. She's choosing the fonts. She's doing all of the background design work. And you can follow along with that on her website and on her Instagram. So this isn't just an imaginary product to to like see what Rebecca comes up with off the cuff. This is her process from beginning to end of what it's like to be a client with Rebecca Peterson Studio. And the podcast, I think, just gives you a much better sense of that process than just seeing the finished product, although you can see that as well. And I'm really excited about the branding challenge. I'm excited for this podcast in general because I think that it's one of my gifts to articulate design and articulate my design decisions. And I actually think it's the mark of a good designer when they can explain why something works or why it doesn't work. And so I'm excited to be able to kind of showcase that a little bit more and give more people an insight into what my process is like. And it's it's equal parts 
strategy and formula as well as creativity and intuition, which is, I feel like a really good blend of my skills and my personality. So I'm just excited to show everybody and and talk through these things. We hope that we will do a good enough job that you feel like you can see the brand in your mind and then you can go to the Instagram account or whatever and see if it lines up. I'm also hoping that down the road could get submissions for branding challenges and kind of help people in our audience develop their brand. Yeah. So starting out, Rebecca and I started with who do we know, which for us, Rebecca and I are sisters. We are, we have the seven kids in our family. So we've started with them, which has made it a lot more fun for us. Yes. But I also think it's going to be really fun to listen to because our siblings are doing so many different things and there's such a range in personalities. Very, very diverse perspectives and age. Yes. So if you know our siblings, you will find this very amusing. Most of you do not. And I still think you'll find it just wildly amusing to see how different people came from the same. (laughs) I think so too. We have a lawyer, a brand strategist, an accountant, a historian, a journalist, a high school senior, (laughs) a high school senior. Yes, we'll get to her. We have one person who thinks he's a surfer, but has never surfed. (laughs) We will definitely be making a brand for that. Oh yeah. Very excited. So we're really excited and happy that you will join us and hope that you will follow along and share your feedback. Only good, of course, by sending us a review or subscribing to the podcast and we will catch you next time. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to Aesthetically Speaking. If you want to support the podcast, please leave us a nice review or connect with us on Instagram at Rebecca Peterson Studio. 